his name. I'm never going to get it right, Jason. Never. Uh, Doug Munch. I, oh, my God. Do you want to get do you want to give it a shot? I'll, I'll spell it for you, Jason. OK. M-O-E-N-C-H. Yeah, I mean, sounds like sounds like Doug Doug Munch to me. I mean, sometimes Doug Munch. All right. All right. Yeah, We're going to go with Doug Munch. The, the, <laughs> that, that is by far not the like the, the, there is a a man. Well, I guess uh, sort of a boy who plays for the Michigan State football team, the Michigan State Spartans, sure. whose uh, last name is Cockard, I think, or Cockard. oh, you can't you can't say that on the pod, Jason. <laughs> Even though it's a proper name, you can't. There's, there's children, Jason. There's children. We're, we're not going for we're not going for an explicit rating on this. Hey, we're reviewing the Batman Adventures <laughs> comic book from the '90s. That's not we like. It's it's a tough line to walk, Jason. Because on the one hand, in Detective Comics, we are rooting for Batman to hit that 11 year old child, just punch yes. him in his face real good. Yeah, but on the other nice. hand, you just can't say. C- on the on the podcast like this yeah i, I mean I, I got you to say it again though you son of a bitch you're right you know that's a win for me you son of a bitch <laughs> fell into my <laughs> devious trap i'm nick filardi i'm jason thielbar welcome to the world's second finest podcast today we're talking about batman adventures issue five which came out january 5th 1993 It has a slightly different team for the writers than the previous issue. It's now plotted by Martin Pascoe and written by Kelly Puckett. Kelly Puckett wrote the first three. He's back now and uh, writing this from Pascoe's plot. The inker, colorist, letter, and editor remain constant. Inks by Rick Burchett, colored by Rick Taylor, lettered by Tim Harkins. I'm stumbling over this one. Edits by Scott Peterson. Uh, I'm really you said talking you about going to have a beer this time. I liar. know, I know, <laughs> Jason. I'm so messed up right now. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about this one because I did a complete 180. Like I know that last time we were pretty like lukewarm on all these bat issues and the ending of it. I don't know, man. I just completely like was like, oh, it clicked. I got it. Oh, OK. All right. All right. I think I think. Yeah, I think we might have had. Uh, slightly different reactions to some of it then oh you you weren't you weren't you weren't feeling it still uh a a little bit a little bit we'll talk we'll get we'll get into it before we talk about that though there was no detective comics issue to talk about detective was coming out the same day as batman adventures uh in the previous months but it seems that this issue for whatever reason needed another week to cook in the oven And so it missed its publication date. So we're going to talk about two Detective Comics issues next time. I don't know if this had to do with uh, what was going on with the art team, because like we we talked about in the previous pod, um, the artist on there did a very good issue and then a not so great issue. I don't know if there was some personal stuff going on or deadline stuff or what, but that's what was going on. Um, so we'll see what happens with the next next issue of Detective in the next pod. Uh, so Batman 489 was on stands. Jim Aparo on art. Doug Munch writing. Uh, it features Killer Croc having nonstop trauma repeat in his head after the bullying he received as a child because of his condition and also trauma from fighting Batman. 
uh, the trauma, uh, the trauma comes to a head now that he's, uh, sorry, man, I wrote this last night and I am not making any sense. The trauma comes to a head now that he's attacking everyone he comes across. That doesn't make any sense. The trauma comes to a head and, and now he's so mad. Jason, help me. <laughs> 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 I said I will I, I want you to I, I want you to keep all of this in. Yeah, how about uh killer killer croc the the various traumas dealt upon killer croc from a childhood of being bullied for his skin condition and Batman yada 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 then from there then killer croc <laughs> Did you just did you just yada 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 over Batman beating the shit out of Killer Croc and giving him post-traumatic stress disorder? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. All right. All right. We're going to... Okay. Batman 489 was on stands. Jim Aparo on art. Doug Munch writing. Features Killer Croc having nonstop trauma from uh, childhood up to Batman just beating him senseless. He's lashing out everywhere. He's fighting people in the street. He's eating rats. He's fighting people at the mall. It's it's very, very he's just on a rampage. He's he's commenting under local news articles. He's like <laughs> yeah, asking, yeah. you know, if fun. anyone knows that like that suspicious <laughs> character on next door, you know, he's just off. <laughs> it's a the full handle. rampage. It's a full rampage. Yeah, Meanwhile, Bruce meets with uh Dr. Chandra Kinsolving. She gives him uh some good advice about dealing with his own trauma that he's experiencing and some sedatives to help Bruce sleep. Bane watches Croc on a rampage and decides he's going to get in the mix and beat the creature that almost beat Batman with Bruce out cold due to the sedatives. Azriel dons the bat suit and helps battle uh, killer Croc with Robin as and Robin jump in. They've quickly find out they're a little in over their head with Croc uh, Bane steps in and easily beats Croc, doesn't even bother with Asriel, like pegs Asriel the minute he sees him. And he's like, you're not the real Batman and fucking leaves. It's so good. It's so good. I don't Jason. I really love this issue. What did you think? Uh, I, I didn't read this one. You I didn't read you. this didn't one. Read... You, you skipped the good one, Jason. You skipped the good one. I'm sorry. I, I read. So, I read the wrong one. So I was going to talk to you about this, not about you not reading the issue, but about like what we should even be reading, because like I was reading Showcase 93 issue two. So that hit stance as well. We can get into that. Kevin Maguire cover, beautiful mood via the colors of Jorah Lando again. It's a, another Catwoman tale. She gets closer to, to Ramon Barracuda, who's running this street gang. Uh Robin makes a short appearance and like, I don't even know if we should cover this. Like, it's just Catwoman busting gangs and it's like, it's fine. It's fine. But like, there's so many bat books like we, we're not even covering Legends of the Dark Knight, which is also coming out around this time. But it's like outside of canon. And I kind of had this epiphany of like, do we bother with all these bat books. Cause I st also started dipping my toe into Elseworlds stuff, Jason. And there's just, there's just so much Batman. I, th there is a lot of Batman. It's, it's definitely kind of like 
reflective of today of uh, someone else had pointed this out uh, on Twitter. Uh, we, we grew up reading comic books in the 90s, right? Uh, uh-huh. And the 90s were the last time you could like make a decent living and be a comic book artist and still not be like that well known. You know, like the sales figures back then for like a poor selling book was like like 50,000 copies, 100,000 copies was like, oh, wow. That's man, that book didn't man, like, I, you know, I'd kill th- for a hundred thousand copies, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'd be like one of the biggest books of the year. You know, like yep. those kinds of books are like, those are like, those are like the, you know, it's mostly like, uh, uh, stuff for younger kids, which is great, which is like, yes, get as many, <laughs> as many kids and people reading comic books as, yep. as humanly possible. And a lot of those stories are awesome too. But like, I think it's, I think we're running up against that. And I do actually think it's a little interesting. I don't think we have to read all of them, but I think it's an interesting parallel kind of between then uh, and now with the uh, the DCU uh, movies and the MCU movies and then all these other comic book properties that are uh, being brought to the big screen that are just like flooding everywhere. And like that, that's part of what killed uh, uh, the, the direct market of comic books in the 90s was just this like this arms race, this like flooding that it's like, oh, you like Batman, huh? Well, here's. 15 batman titles you know and now it's like disney disney is like oh you like marvel stuff huh here's a marvel show every other week here's a marvel movie every three months here's you know a marvel animated thing here's another it's funny that you you say that i was chatting with uh ziggy a little bit about how there's a lot of books on the market and ziggy uh works in a shop um a comic shop part-time he's worked there part-time since the 90s since the time we're talking about when he was old enough to work in the shop, he started working in the shop. So he was saying there's like 30 Batman titles out of the 60 titles that like come to the, come to the shop uh, that are DC, half of them are Batman. And the reason that happens is because the worst Batman book is going to sell better than like Firestorm or like, you know, whatever, whatever, like other thing they're doing so there's all these like so there's all these like uh bat titles that are like selling well enough to keep going but like are not necessarily like it's creating a market of just like an oversaturation of batman but like people keep buying it so it's like you and me who normally read a lot of like indie books and stuff like that like we see all this batman and we're like this is too much Batman, but I guess the average like week weekly warrior is coming in and they're just demanding more Batman, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, not to like, not to yuck anyone's yum. If they're, if they're, if they're putting it out and you're, you're enjoying it. Like, Hey, good for you. I just, I mean, and that's why I generally like, we were talking about it before the recording, but like, I generally keep like my, my somewhat, I think kind of like tame opinions about like the MCU movies and stuff. Like, Mostly to myself, because I've also like backlash oh, to rip. the backlash. We're going to let him rip on the pod, Jason. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get like 40 or 50 episodes in and you're going to get comfortable and you're going to be like, let me tear down the entire Marvel MCU. <laughs> you're <laughs> going to we're going to we're going to hit you on a particular day and you're just going to let loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I, I guess I guess it's also I guess it's also a function of like I guess most of like 
I'm I'm terminally online and that's not anybody else's fault but myself. Sure. And I think sometimes I see these like exhausting like Twitter conversations that like of course it's Twitter so like of course the conversation is, is exhausting like, and I just you're like I would jump in with my opinions but I'm already exhausted of my own opinions. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a that's a perfect that's a perfect fucking way to put it cuz like cuz you know, it's like that kind of shit. Like I look at that and like, what do you, what do you, what are you getting out of that? Like, what do you, like, like it's hard enough to like, when you're face to face with a person, like articulate, like the, the, the things that you want and these big ideas that you're trying to grasp at, but it's like, oh, let me, you know, let me, let me start typing. And like, my, you know, my thumb, surely my opinion will come across like clear and th- as thoughtful and the other person <laughs> will get it. It's like, no, no. Circling back. Here's my proposal. Hmm. We only cover the books that are highlighted in the letters column of Batman adventures. So like at the end of Batman adventures, they'll be like, here's what's going on in detective. Here's what's going on in Batman. Here's what's going on in Robin three, but they don't mention showcase. They don't mention legends of the bat. They mention shadow, but they don't mention anything else. No else worlds, no nothing. So whatever they cover in the letters column, I think we should feature on the show. What do you think about that? I, I think I think that's a much better way to kind of to kind of nar- to, to narrow it just just a little bit. Yeah. I think if we tried to read every bat book that was out at that time, I think we would snap and like we would end up going crazy like Frank Grimes, you know, <laughs> who's like, I'm Homer Simpson. You're like, I'm yeah. Batman. I can beat anybody. I can do whatever I want. I'm on every title. Yeah, I'm a billionaire. Look at me. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's the only path that that, okay. that well, that's for on. Yeah, our own sanity. Then maybe we should yeah. limit to those titles. Speaking of limiting to those titles, both of us read all of Robin three. Hell yeah. Robin three has been double shipping for a couple of months this month and last month and the first issue came out the month before it ends with issue six which comes out next month but i figured we'd talk about it now seeing as it's almost over and uh there's no detective this month yeah no detective so robin three is uh i think robin three also kind of falls under do we even need to cover this so i'm gonna make it quick (laughs) Robin and Huntress get mixed up in a Russian counterfeiting ring. The father of the girl that Robin kind of likes is apparently a large scale printer. So he gets mixed up with the Russian mob. He doesn't want to cave to their demands. The Russian mob murders him and takes the girl for some reason. It's it's not clear. I think they're just like, take anyone and we'll figure it out later kind of thing. Because um, Robin's yeah. in the mix. KG Beast is featured. Um, oh, oh. Always great to see KG Beast. He didn't get enough respect this issue. These issues, though, I, Jason. I, w- I want to buy a bottle of whatever someone's favorite drink is. Who came up with that f- that name? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, KG Beast. Is, so good. That is that is such a great name. That, yeah, that's a like that's such an obvious and like good pun. That's like one of those like I'm mad I didn't think of it kind of names. Even though I, I yeah yeah was way too young He's, to be writing a DC book at that time. But He's a uh, uh, ex ex-KGB uh, Russian soldier for hire hitman assassin. He's got a gun arm. Dude rules. It's got a knife on it. It's a knife and a gun. It's <sighs> perfect. It's perfect. 
they uh, are often ridiculing him in Robin three, the other Russians, because he is more of a sledgehammer when they need a scalpel. But I say, just let the sledgehammer do its thing. Like, why would you berate the sledgehammer? I kept waiting for KGBs to get revenge on just start killing everyone. But that never happened, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Robin gets kind of mixed up in this counterfeiting ring. Huntress is just like hunting goons and stumbles upon it. So Huntress and Robin kind of join forces. Uh, Huntress in these issues is like, hey, hey, does Batman ever talk about me? And Robin's like, I'm 15. Like, what do you want from me? Kind of thing, which is pretty, pretty great. <laughs> I wrote I, I wrote in my notes that uh, Huntress is written like someone who just heard about uh, what feminism is and thought it sounded like a neat idea and oh, tried their no. best to imagine what an empowered woman would act like. And so she'd act mostly like a man and look like a supermodel. So yeah. that's yeah. that's very 90s, at least. And I I mean, <laughs> is this just is this just whoever wrote this is just, you know, not writing women well? There's only one other. There's only one other female character other than Robin's love interest, who's like confused most of the time, I guess. I think I think to be a little fair and only because I know this writer like kind of more well than like uh, I had ever like I never intended to. It was written by Chuck Dixon. um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he and he wrote a lot of like. Uh, great like Punisher like war journal you know and mm-hmm. the age being that he is uh, I'm sure he's a fan of like those old like pulpy war stories I have a bunch of collections of like old like EC uh, war this stories definitely, and stuff definitely you know? felt like an old pulpy war story yeah well well, yeah that and like it also gave me this vibe of like he I think he's also a real big fan of like crime films. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen like the original Get Carter with uh, Michael Caine or no. uh, the last uh, the last Good Friday. Oh, the last Good Friday, dude. The last Good Friday is like I haven't seen any of these because I'm reading Batman the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the uh, the original Get Carter and and uh, the the last Good Friday are uh, anybody listening to this, like look them up there phenomenal crime films they're they're very very british too so like that's kind of like a plus especially the time it came from but excellent chuck dixon yeah yeah chuck dixon seems to have like a love for that kind of like i think we mentioned it before the almost like charles bronson like death wish like so yeah, so i think yeah. maybe his like if, if even if he does write women poorly or like at least in this series like i think it's more just because he's like well yeah no it's more of a story about like robin and like right i had to have huntress think, there because cry the huntress sounded cool so i had to figure out a way for the huntress to be in there so if we're coming at it from this perspective then like chuck dixon is writing it in this way to kind of fit into this genre women being kind of clunkily written is like kind of an homage to the drama it kind of makes sense that like maybe this didn't start as a robin and huntress story maybe it was just batman and robin and then he was like, oh, well, I can kind of modify this. And like, because I know editorial like really wanted to push the Huntress at the time. Like she shows up in like a lot of books. And and a lot of the feeling that I got from editorial was that Huntress is back. Everybody care about Huntress just from like checking out letters pages and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe this was just like 
he started in one place and then wound up in the other. And he's just like, I don't know. I'm trying to make it work, you know? Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me, because like the, the, the other the other part of my notes were like, you know, like the whole like Tim Drake is burdened by his double life plot line. Like sure. it felt kind of flat, you know, but it felt like it's the, exhausting and I looked it up. for sure. Yeah. And I looked it up just to make sure. And, you know, it, I wrote that like it felt like the editors were trying to make a big point of it. Like this only. But so this was only being like about three years into Tim Drake being Robin, you know. Yeah. So like there was quite a bit of time between uh, Jason Todd and Tim Drake. And so. I, th- I think they were like trying to be like, hey, look, he's just a teen. Like what I write in my notes. Hey, look, he's just a teen. He's just like you. You know, he's impossibly rich and could fuck up Jet Lee. But, you know, he's just like you, kid. <laughs> you little chubby, unsure yourself, 13 year old Jason. He could. We could you, all you could be totally. Robin. Yeah. 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 You know, but so but I, so so it seemed it seems like especially at the time, uh, I think we're also forgetting that like. I, I always say like I'm not old, but I'm not young either. You know, sure. Like I'm like I'm 41, so it's like okay, I'm not like old, old in like the general like sense of it, but I'm also not young at all. But so yeah. I think I think we kind of tend to forget like kind of how long ago though <laughs> this was, especially because like we're in the era of books that like we grew up with, like right when we were really getting into like comics and sure. like having like this wasn't like us reading comics if we were like six or something you know this okay, is like well let me ask you this you know. let me ask you this did tim drake struggling with his double life ever resonate with you as a child do you ever remember reading this and being like i get it tim i get it you're just like me <laughs> no no <laughs> okay all right that's what i thought <laughs> no no so they set up all this like tim struggling with his dad and like his double life and he's like dad you don't understand i gotta get out there and mess up some goons kg beast is out there you know like and dad's like i you need to come home for homework and he's like nuts to that i'm going to the waynes he's the one who understands i'm your father it's all that stuff and then at the end at the end they're like after all the crimes have been wrapped up and like everybody's in jail or I don't know, chucked into a printing press, then like, which is a thing that happened. Oh, God, that was great. What's our there's some corpses in this book. Anyway, the the point is, the point is, is that Tim comes home after seeing a man chucked into a printing press and the here's the grinds of the gears as he turned as he like lays his head down on the pillow and here's his skull being crushed in the, in the rollers as he as he closes his eyes he sees the blood flow down the press but he comes home and he's like you know what dad you're right let's have a relationship and he's like all is forgiven and it's just wrapped up i think i think that's also like honestly like another very 90s thing you know like yeah. like one of my like one of my favorite shows of all time is uh, bojack horseman or i i call it the sad horse show uh, yeah, but I, I I love it. I love the sad horse show so much. One of the things they like, you know, because the main character is supposed to be a washed up '90s sitcom star. Like they make yeah. reference a lot to like to like how um how like on on the show he's like, oh, why couldn't it be more like horse and around? Because like by the end of the episode, everyone learned a lesson and we were everyone loved each other again. Yeah, yeah, we know? all grew as people a little bit, and we're all we're all one big happy family. Yeah, it definitely yeah. has that vibe. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder too, like how much of that is mandated from editorial, and how much of that is Chuck 
like writing that particular way because I don't think he writes that way really anymore. I remember hearing an interview with him on a, actually on an NPR sh- on the NPR show Reveal uh, yeah. talking about that. And like, and he was, and he was essentially, he was essentially like, well, he's like, I, I don't, he's like, I've written like, you know, Superman giving anti-gun speeches. And he's like, I'm a big second amendment guy, you know? So he's like, oh, he's really? like writing like the, yeah, he's like, he's like, I'll write like what the character is supposed to be. You know, he's like what the, he's like, I'm hired to do a job. And so like, sure. I think, I think for most of his career, he's been fairly like, at least in his writing, like, I don't, he never seemed like the kind of writer who would like fight that much, you know? Like, unless Mm -hmm. it like truly, truly, I'm sure he would have fought if it like truly mattered to the character to make the story make sense. But he seemed to be the kind of writer who was like, they hired me for a job. I'm going to do the job. Yeah, they do it to the best of our ability. And then I'm out. Yeah, yeah. They they want Huntress to still be a teacher and drive a Lamborghini. So I guess I got to figure out a fucking reason why (laughs) she has a goddamn Lamborghini. So so I think I think it was like more. And I think that that's kind of. When you look at his like even his like fun war journal stuff, I think yeah. that's also still like that might be more his comfort zone. But yeah, sure, sure. Sir Edmund was also featured as a villain in this. He's running a gang in Gotham that gets kind of just pulled into this as well. Kind of haphazardly. <laughs> Robin kind of instigates the gang war. Kind of. It's very weird. Anyway, so they yeah. get pulled in. And they're ninjas and they're they also want to be like the toughest guys in Gotham or whatever. And uh, I didn't know this. I did a little Googling because I was like, who like when Sir Edmund's introduced, I'm just like, oh, he's just some ninja guy. And then as the story goes, I was like, everyone's like, oh, Sir Edmund, Sir Edmund, it's a big deal. And I was like, who the hell is this? He's just like some dude. I looked him up. He's Bane's father (laughs) yeah i I had no idea i had a feeling he was supposed to be somebody because i know i knew we were kind of creeping up uh to nightfall yeah so 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 i wonder if he was kind of like forced in by editorial to be like people got to get hyped about bane yeah yeah let's 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 show and even his even his dad is a badass and looks like he's 28 (laughs) yeah he also uh, drawn with no pupils. I did not realize this from the comic book at all. He's supposed to be blind, but he's drawn with uh, like just no pupils at all. I was like, that's not what blind people look like. But all right, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> they just look like regular people. It's it's OK. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's 1993. I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> so they're counterfeiting euros before the euro drops. Uh, and they think that that is going to make them some some quick money because. I guess nobody's going to think to counterfeit a bill that hasn't been made yet. I don't know. It's very silly. Robin and Huntress put a stop to it. Robin saves the girl who is now without a father, I guess. But we don't think about that or the man who got crushed in the printing press at all. (laughs) Never think about those things. No, no. Well, and and don't think about like the weird like that undercurrent of like the Russian villains that are like, it's like, okay, this is now, I think Soviet Union fell in 89, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and so we're now like at least three and a half years ish away from the fall of the Soviet Union. And there's a lot of horrendous things that were happening at the time of like, you know, uh, bad actors from the West going in and other like vampiric 
of people within Russia just draining the place, just bad yeah. times. But like there is this like so they're they're criminals who just want to make a lot of money. But also right. he's mentioning like different communist things and still talking about a worker's utopia. But the money right. isn't either to a bring help the workers. Right. It's also not to cripple. Like it was right there. Like he could have been like, yeah. oh, all of yeah. these extra billions of dollars will cripple the European economy because like it'll dilute the value and blah, blah, blah. And bring it's like, no, we're just it's just because it's money. It's just because it's, it's money. Like, yeah, it's like it's like, yeah, guys, because our our motivations are exactly what the motivations of uh, the people who we perceive to be the enemy would be like the enemy right. also must want money at all costs, just like I do. Right. So, you know, like it, I Jason, uh, I am so frustrated reading these reading these books when it's like we're a gang and we want money. And we're going to do crimes to get money. And I'm like, I just don't care. Like, give me a give me a character. You know what I mean? Like, give, give me something to chew on. It's just a really easy device. You know, yeah. I think because like in, in the in the book, in the book, it's very like I also like kind of harken back to I'm sure I'm, I'm sure the, the writer was like a big fan of this. Um, there was this director, uh, Sam Fuller, who directed a lot of uh, really low budget uh, war movies, like a lot of them, like a lot of B movies, like. And people like Tarantino okay. and stuff are uh, Tarantino is like a big fan of him. That's how I even know he exists. When I was a kid on IFC, I had seen this like uh, documentary about Sam Fuller that Tarantino made. And like IFC used to okay. play all the time. And uh, and I, I think it, it also like seems like that, too. It's like, no, yeah, no, not everything needs to <laughs> not everything needs to have this deep backstory. I think is it's probably sure. it's probably the response that you that, that you would get. Like, I agree with you. Like, give me give me I a agree. little something okay. to hang it off of. But I I agree with that, that not everything needs to have a backstory. However, if we are not going to have a backstory, then everything else has to be fun. You know what I mean? Mm. Like if it's if if the character, if the bad guys don't have any backstory and they're just like, we just like money. Make it cartoonish, make it over the top, make it interesting. Like I need, I either need it to be like so absurd and fun or so absurd and like evil and dark one way or the other, or I need it yeah. or I need like an actual character there because like the way it is right now, it's just, they want money and they're committing a crime and then that's all of it. That's the only thing you need. That's that's this is the one note we're going to hit for Jason. Six issues. It's 120 pages. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I enjoyed it in uh, I, I honestly, especially I, I, re I enjoy I enjoyed the bad scans. I, I liked the bad scans. It made me like <laughs> yeah, the, the first like three issues are scanned really poorly, too. Uh, I don't think there's a, I, I think that DC knows that there's not a huge demand for this. Speaking of not a huge demand for this, I found an Elseworlds that they do not have on their app about <laughs> Superman, <laughs> Superman in the in the far future with Kamandi and Superman has a gun and he's fighting two clones of Hitler. And I was like. We should scan that one. I don't know what they're doing with Robin three. They, we should scan this instead. I'm sure this it's, is a masterpiece. It's a goddamn crime. That's not on the DC app. <laughs> I've, I've seen some of the 
pages that you sent me. Yeah. And yeah. oh I've, my god. I've I've found some some juicy stuff, Jason. The stuff DC doesn't want you to know about. The secrets. <laughs> so that was Robin 3, kind of. I don't did we do it justice, Jason? Do you feel like we did it I, justice? I will, I will say here's my final word on Robin 3. Sure. Uh if if you're if you're uh if you're someone who just like likes to inhale comic books like like me and Nick do, like we'll re- we'll literally read anything. You know, even yeah. if someone's like, this is the worst comic book I've ever read, we'll be like, yes, please give it to me. Um, if you have the DC app, it, it's, it's it fun. Out. Read it yeah. like the, yeah. you know, you'll 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 laugh a bit. You'll you, you know, it, it's 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 quick read too. It, it, it at the it it's is not very read. good. Yeah, it's not very good, but it's it's breezy and you get through it pretty quickly. So there's that you know check it out and kind of laugh at laugh at how 90s it is you know yeah, there you go i think that's yeah, a pretty good is. review yeah shadow of the bat was also on stands shadow of the bat number nine this is the wrap-up for the misfits arc three issues uh, it's the same creative team alan grant writing and tim sale on art the misfits are Catman, killer moth calendar man and chancer they managed to get the ransom money from gotham for for who did they kidnap? Bruce Wayne. They kidnapped all the same people that they kidnapped in Batman Adventures in, in the third one. Bruce Wayne, the commissioner and the mayor. Yep. Uh, um, Robin goes to free the captive mayor and commissioner and Bruce Wayne. Nimrod follows the money drop. Um, so they're kind of working the angle from both sides. Robin pulls the captives from a would be watery grave. Bruce suits up and, and uh, joins Nimrod to stop the ransom from being delivered and for justice to be served. The two of them take down the misfits. There's a sub story going on about the misfits betraying each other for the money, as well as Killer Moth wanting to murder everyone. But Calendar Man doesn't really want to murder anyone because he he's Calendar Man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seems like seems like a chill dude. I don't know. Just like he's not killer calendar man. It's not in he's his not name. Killer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Jason, come on. <laughs> uh, Batman gets Nimrod's. Uh, oh, they they bust everybody up. Uh, Batman gets Nimrod's backstory about being falsely accused of murder and uh, still takes him to jail. Anyway, uh, Batman assures him the truth will come out and we are to assume that Nimrod will eventually go free. Although I've got a suspicion that no one ever hears from Nimrod ever again. <laughs> so who knows, Jason? Who knows? Possible eye. Possible eye. <laughs> what did you think of Shadow of the Bat 9? I, I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I did it. too. I, I did too. <laughs> my, my, honestly, honestly, my only my, my only small complaint about it, I, I understand they were probably just doing like three three issue arcs, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was like, man, like, I wish I could have lived in that world a bit longer. I wish they could have like gotten and maybe it was told in other bat books, you know, but like I wish with that creative team that we could have gotten a more meatier kind of like what you were what we were just talking about, like more meatier uh, reasoning behind uh, the villains. Like I wish there would have been more scenes yeah. of like yeah. of like them being humiliated by other like people in other Gotham villains. and yeah. other criminals. And, you know, it would just but, but, but I understand why it was just. They had the time that they had and they, yeah, but they yeah. did, they, they did a phenomenal job. Uh, T- Tim sale. I 
love I've loved some sales art and especially like uh, as I talked about before kind of this era like this is he's not at his like final kind of stage uh ish that he he reached um yeah but still a little Magnolia in there still a little still a little uh uh Frank Miller in there uh, yeah yeah still but then but like but very it's like 90 percent Tim Sale yeah two artists that like are more recent that remind me of him and do that kind of that very hard style are uh, uh frank quietly and uh this more uh independent artist and illustrator uh, eleanor davis who i i adore mm-hmm. eleanor davis and everything she does but she also has her and frank quietly and tim sale do this like very very hard thing which is that their their line weight for all of their figures are so thin they're so yep. razor thin but 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 their figures have this have this weight to it but this like fluidity too because like sometimes you can make a make a figure look heavy but if you try to draw them in action that way it 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 slows it down it bogs it down you know but all of those artists and like tim sale like even like right now even though like like you said he's like 90 percent tim sale uh like there there's 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 a weight like to everyone absolutely yeah you know and and like and, and to be yeah, and to be able to pull that off with like with again with that like thin line weight is just is crazy. And like and every, and back then too, everything was done by hand. Who inked that? Like that's this Tim did. It's just it's him oh, him, yeah. him up okay, and down yeah. the line, man. Uh yeah. Yeah. That's I, just I uh also I, I gotta say the way that he draws backgrounds has so much character and so much life and there's like a verticality to it. We talked about his backgrounds feeling uh, uh, very, very good before about how, the, how different that it all feels, even with like claustrophobic panels as compared to like more open panels for like more comfortable scenes. But he, he also has this like, I usually get really upset when I watch uh, young artists do like Dutch angle all the time, meaning they're, they're like kind of tilt the camera a little bit to make everything feel like, oh, it's off center. It's all wonky. Tim Sale does it all over the place and I eat it up. Like there's something about the way he composes his shots that is just so perfect. And I think if it was any other artist doing that particular shot, that particular composition, I wouldn't be as into it. He just makes it work somehow. I don't know. He's a master. Yeah, I think I think it's like... um you know, I, I think it's like everyone trying to copy the uh, the Scorsese uh, oneer, the Scorsese one take. You know, from from Goodfellas, where yeah. like there, you know, there there had been other like you know it, it, for a long time, like you know, people had been doing those like shots because it's like always impressive. But like specifically the Goodfellas like oneer, like everyone tries to do whether it's like a homage or like they want to do it better or bigger and like sometimes they work sometimes they don't but it's just like but you're you're not scorsese it's like you know just like yeah. like you said yeah. with like it's I like attempt, mo- i most... would not begin to attempt these <laughs> tim sale compositions like they they i will happily like appreciate them and and just let them lie <laughs> oh yeah so yeah that was uh shadow of the bat nine uh anything more you want to say about it no uh love love tim sale uh rest in peace man like gone like gone way too way, soon. way too way too yeah. soon it, it was just 
fucking legend, you know. When he passed, I was I was like, okay, what haven't I read? And uh, I read uh, Catwoman When in Rome because I hadn't read that before. Also Ooh. beautiful. Just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone should read that. We've talked enough about uh, everybody else. Let's get to the main course, Jason. Oh, yes. Let's talk about Batman Adventures issue five. This is the wrap up of issue four. Uh, Kelly Puckett is now assisting on the writing duties. What did you think? Did you notice the change, a shift in the writing? I I, I did. I did. I, I noticed uh, um, it, it, it seemed to just be like much quicker. You know what I mean? Just kind of yeah, like I found that, too. Yeah. Just like here's the plot. Here's here's the beats. We're going to hit the beats. You know, everyone hit their marks and, and, and it was good. It was really it was really deftly done. It was, it was really well done. I don't want to like take yeah. anything away from it. It was just kind of like I think what these two issues suffered from the most were my honest, absolute kind of shock at just how good the first three were. Like, I didn't think they were going <laughs> to so be bad, like at your, all. Because like, the problem the book... with these issues is that they're not the first three issues. Yeah. The first three issues were like the Velvet Underground. And then like these next ones were like the band that started because they saw the Velvet <laughs> Underground. It's weird that you say that, though, because like Brad Rader and Martin Pascoe were working on the show. So you would think they have like the inside track on this thing. You know what I mean? I, I think I think they kind of suffered from it because I think uh, was it Brad Brad Raider was the, the artist. Yes, there there were a lot of the action scenes that I felt like oh yeah this guy's a storyboard artist because like I could I could feel the action and everything but like mm-hmm. I couldn't feel it in the way that a more experienced pro comic book artist would have drawn it because it 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 seemed like he couldn't shake that like oh, this is eventually going to be animated, so I'm going to want to play up certain things. Sure. You know. I'm hopeful that Brad will get a little looser because I've seen um, breakdowns and roughs and stuff like that, and I think Brad has it in him to do what Ty Templeton did. And I think that he will eventually raise up to that because I think, I think, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that Brad becomes the kind of series regular on this thing. So we'll see what happens. But I do agree that there were some uh, some like wonky perspective work, like some action that was like a little less than uh, especially compared to Ty Templeton, who's just a master as well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. It's like it was it was legit. It was a tough act to follow. Yeah. I want to make this clear. I don't think it was lacking. Like, I think that if you if you picked up this issue in a vacuum, you'd be like, oh, it's a great Batman issue. But it's just yeah, like yeah. following Ty Templeton's just a tough gig. It's just a tough gig. Yeah. And 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 I love his I love his figures and I love his uh, his his just overall character work is great, is absolutely great. The the his scarecrow is wonderful. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the complete change from when uh when well, Crane puts hey, on the mask. Let's let's actually recap the issues so that people know what's going on. <laughs> OK, OK. Uh, so Batman and Robin catch up to the illiterate gang it, breaking into a Ciro's circuit shack. The gang is putting uh, boom boxes and TVs on the shelves in order to plant the devices that Scarecrow is, is making to make Gotham illiterate. This is a continuation of the previous issue. Everyone became illiterate and then chaos reigned, basically. 
there's some great Batman and Robin action in the beginning of punching up, punching up some goons. Batman punches through a television set. <laughs> Like a goon holds up a television set to defend himself and Batman (laughs) punches through it. I was like, fuck yes. I did. I did. I did like that. I did like that a lot. Robin is getting to to the bottom of how the devices work as Batman chases away like the lead guy. He's like hot on the tail of the lead guy trying to get away. Eventually we get Scarecrow's motivation and backstory. You want to you want to get into that because you were about to chat about the dynamic that Scarecrow has going on in this issue. Uh, yeah. So we, we get into Scarecrow's backstory where he meets these two people who I, I swear to God, I'm like I'm like a dog. I'm like a mad dog on a chain right now to keep myself from ranting by the two people he's talking to who is clearly Cain and Abel. But I'll leave a rant about my love for those characters as they are in the DC <laughs> universe for, for now. But wait, 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 I, I wait. Loved, I, not not biblical Cain and Abel, but like, are you talking about from the Sandman? Well, yeah, well, because they, they were characters in the 70s, though. I mean, they, they're they supposed to be the biblical Cain and Abel. I don't know about any of this. Well, yeah, the, the, the House of Mystery and the House of Secret and Cain and Abel were supposed to be the like the presenters, like the Crypt Keeper oh. and like the. So so it was like a DC 70s, like, but comics code friendly horror stuff. That's rad. Yeah. I got to read those yeah neil gaiman like i think when he brought them in was like oh, okay well if sandman has to be a dc book and i have to include dc characters how about these two assholes you guys don't care about anymore <laughs> you know sure sure but but anyway but but so uh scarecrow he gets this opportunity because it's Pro- professor crane you you see the guard calling him scarecrow he goes no i'm professor crane like he's trying to get better yeah and he gets an opportunity from Cain and abel yeah <laughs> Uh, to to teach classes again and he'll be let out on a special like work release program to teach classes and yeah. it's just an awful experience none of the kids can read like they're all <laughs> uh, stupid and he gets driven insane because the the system has failed them yeah so failed them i i thought this was really interesting because like professor crane is up there and he's like these kids don't know this stuff and he's like trying to teach them and they're trying to learn Kind of, not really, kind of. They're in school. Yeah. Um, but he's yeah. getting frustrated that they don't know it already, basically. Like, it feels like they never really got a chance to even try, really. And and so yeah. this is the origins of him. He said in the previous issue that, like, the education system has failed and you're all going to be yahoos. They made everybody illiterate. Yeah. So we get that. We get that previous uh, backstory on Crane. We cut back to the mayor's office. They're trying to figure out what to do. They're trying to be like, oh, we're going to pay the ransom, I think. And but like, let's see what's on the news first and casually turn this television on. And uh, Robin comes crashing in and beats up the television (laughs) basically to be like, no, you'll be dummies. You know, like you can't do that. And he takes the little device out. And he shows it to yeah. to Commissioner Gordon and the mayor. And he's like, this is the thing. Rob, Robin crashed in and smashed the TV and said, up the punks, turn off your television. And then like left. <laughs> I wish. I wish, Jason. <laughs> so he, Robin basically lore dumps the stuff we already know to the commissioner and, and uh, to the mayor. Yeah, yeah. And uh, got, got, got to make sure everything's coherent. Sure. And then we cut back to the main gang member and he's in a cab and they've been going around the block a few times. He's trying not to be followed by Batman 
is what's going on. Hey, hey, cabby, Batman's on my tail. Yeah, yeah right, step right, on it, right? Please. <laughs> yeah, sure, Mac. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just gonna keep the meter running. <laughs> yeah. So he eventually gets home. He finds that his mother has uh, is there with uh, EMTs on the scene, an ambulance on the scene. They don't know what she's taken because none of them can read the pill bottle. That got super dark. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, she can't read she can't read the the medication, so she's just on the floor. He's freaking out like cuz he's And it's happening all over the city. I honestly I honestly didn't even think of that. Yeah. I was like, "Holy shit. Yeah, like <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of people dying." This is a sample of the entirety of Gotham right now, and we're getting it up close and personal yeah. through the eyes of this uh gang member, like basically reaping what he sowed you know batman comes crashing in and is like is this the bottle i can still read we're gonna save her and he starts like being like you know where's scarecrow like you got to give him up or like this is gonna happen all over town and batman is angry like he there's very few times in comics where i really feel like intimidated by batman because i'm you know it's a comic book and we're reading Batman and I understand the Batman's whole thing. And when he gets like intimidating, it's usually just like him, like looming over people who are scared. And it's like, I don't really feel any reaction from it, but it's like something about the way that it's drawn where he's like, I want the scarecrow. Where is he? And, he, and the uh, goon is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's pointing his finger it's this giant panel of him pointing his finger and he's like, you're responsible for this. You like watching uh, old women die. Where is he? And I was like, oh, I, I would give up the information. Like, I felt guilt in that moment. I was like, Batman's coming after me. Yeah, I did love that panel quite, quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I love I love I love I love the guy's art. You know, it's it's really well done but yeah that that panel was just i think it's i think part of it might be like it's it's how his presence fills up the the panel itself yeah and so it really does give a good kind of like actually in your face kind of quality to right. it and as someone who's very good at making people mad at him i've had many people right up in my face you know <laughs> so i think the like, other thing is is that batman usually when he's written to be intimidating it's it's cartoony it's like to pull from the batman movies where like he's just hanging a goon upside down and he's like the goons like i swear to god and he's like swear to me and it's like it's it's very very dumb it's very <laughs> dumb jason can i can i just let one rip i'm gonna let one rip you ready for this dude do, do as many takes as you need man swear to me <laughs> i Stack that audio way up there. Swear to me. That that one's going in. That one's going in. <laughs> Actually, kind of enjoyed your um, Joey from Friends. Hey, swear to me. Hey, swear to me. Swear to me. How you doing? Swear to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joey from Friends, an excellent Batman. Really underrated. Oh, oh God, Matthew <laughs> Matthew LeBlanc needs to. Matthew LeBlanc. Put him should... in the bat suit. Give him the one with the nipples. Put him in the bat suit. Put him in the, the fucking Dark Knight Returns. Into the live action Dark Knight Returns. He's older now. He has gray hair. Matthew LeBlanc. Get Zack Snyder in here. He'd do it. Right? He'd do it. He would do it. I feel like we're undercutting my initial point was that Batman is intimidating in this moment because <laughs> there are actual stakes. 
you know? Yes. It's yeah. it's not just cartoony nonsense. It's like yeah, it, we're watching this old woman die. This young punk is like afraid for his mother. And like we are invested as the reader. Like we are along for the ride for sure. Yeah. Like I, I enjoyed the dramatic turn, but it was just like, oh, this is oh, no one can read. And oh, look at the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, shit. It went from like there's traffic and people are wandering into the street to like, oh, no, these are real. Like, this is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So we go from there. We cut over to Scarecrow. He's on a boat. He's on a giant boat. Second boat of the series. I'm on a boat. <laughs> Joker was on a boat in issue three. I'm on a boat, motherfucker. <laughs> issue five. I knew you were going to do that. I knew that was going to happen. It's, it's one of the <laughs> it's a great song. You don't have you to don't, you don't listen yourself. to that song. It's like. As like as like pump up music, you know, oh that's not God. on your workout list. That's on my it's workout not a, list. It's not on my workout list. No. All right. Well, uh, you know, you're missing it out. Be, it will be tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Second second boat of the series. Scarecrows. Uh, but it, this one's not a little skiff. It's like a, a giant like freight boat. He's got the gangs working on all the electronics. Uh, he knows that the heat is going to come down on him because he sees on the TV the commissioner and the mayor being like, here's how to fix this. Like take this device out of your electronics so that you're not illiterate anymore. Scarecrow's like jig is up. It's, it's going to go bad. And then we get act three, which is basically Batman and Robin infiltrating this barge full of gang members. And like Jason, there's so many, we went from like five guys to like at least 50. I, it feels like it 10 times the amount of goons popped up this issue. Yeah. See, I mean, and this is this is the other part that I liked about it, because it gave me very like, you know, it's a thing in, in another one of my favorite television shows ever. Venture Brothers. Like, yeah, you know, they, they they of course, for comedic effect, explore it. But it's just like, where do these guys even get all these henchmen anyway? Right. You know? Right. And it just seemed like such a Venture Brothers. Like, yeah, of course, Scarecrow has like, yeah, however many henchmen he needs. We but. talked about this a little bit in uh the previous pod about how in that Scarecrow episode on uh, Batman, the animated series, Scarecrow is basically like fixing sports games and betting on them. And because he's like, I need money. And now I know why he needs money. He has 50 employees. <laughs> it's a bad you think he's system. Paying him well, it's 50 Wouldn't employees. That... Jason, this is what this is. Let's Scarecrow's overhead right now. Okay. I don't know what it costs to put a freighter in a dock, but it cannot be cheap, first of all. Second of all, 50 employees. Third of all, he needs all of the electronics and all of the, like, TVs and stereos that he's going to be stocking all over town. So, like, that cannot be cheap. And then we haven't even gotten into fear toxins, like, and how much those chemicals are going to cost. Because we haven't even touched on that. Okay, well, first off, he he saves a lot of money on overhead by he doesn't he doesn't pay anyone because he got that many henchmen by running a contest. You know, oh, he that, ran a contest. You run a contest. Anytime you need you, any kind of anything, you run a contest. Yeah, and whoever the best henchman is gets like a thousand dollars. So anyway, Batman swings in, and he just he and Robin start just like mercilessly beating down all these goons it's uh it's excellent i actually really enjoyed the lead up because it was just like shot of the top of the boat and like three bodies on the ground and then it's like shot of the doorway three bodies on the ground shot of the staircase up two bodies on the ground 
and then Batman and yeah. Robin like going into this like darkened hatch and the lights turn on and it's like startling to them and they're surrounded. It was a really great run up and very noir. A lot of hard shadows on that stuff. Really, really fantastic. And then once yeah. the lights are on, we get all the action. It's like endless goons, Batman and Robin just punching the hell out of them. Uh, Batman throws a smoke grenade Robin kind of like gets up to the catwalk through the smoke to go after Scarecrow. Batman, meanwhile, looms out of the smoke at these goons. And I'm like, this is the second time in like tw- in like six, seven pages that I'm like, I'm a little intimidated. I would run. <laughs> I would run from this fight. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> someone's you, you also failed to mention that he's swinging a, a batarang around yeah on a rope you, you know just like knocking suckers out yeah i would have hightailed it out of there as soon as he showed up if i was a henchman in gotham I don't, yeah and well yeah. in fact what am i even doing being a henchman in gotham i mean this is like the second time i joined a henchman contest and like the only thing that's happening is i got beat up by batman twice like yeah, right exactly maybe i should try like yeah so maybe i should try like but metropolis or something i i do think that it's kind of funny that uh so batman's beating up all these gang members not a gun or weapon in sight and then Scarecrow uh, is up there. Robin uh, uh, corners him and he starts wildly firing a gun. I think with all the overhead that Scarecrow has, they can only afford one gun <laughs> and they just pass it around. They, they, they just let, let the interns hold it for a while. Let the let, let some goons hold it. Just feel powerful for a minute. Yeah, well, you know, they could get more guns if that, like, if that lib cuck of a mayor of Gotham didn't, oh, like, God, you know, have geez. so many restrictions. Oh, no. Does, <laughs> are, you t- are you telling me, are you floating the idea that Gotham has a liberal structure of gun control? Is, are, is that what you're trying to tell me? I, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna lean into it. I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna. I'm gonna yes and my I, own joke. I uh, because okay. uh, I would love that if that could be canon. If that could be uh, <laughs> Batman Adventures canon, I would. I would absolutely love it. I, I mean, it is. You, you're right though. It is. It it is very film noir. Where like there can't be too many guns, or else like you know the detective would have gotten like murdered right away. So you have to like <laughs> you know. Like yeah, they don't, yeah. have, and then like the only only the big bad villain, like once he's about to get he's caught, oh, that's when yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, 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 oh, that's real danger. It's now. drama. Like, it's drama. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. scarecrows start firing wildly, trying to hit Robin, and he manages to shoot the leg of a table out that has, like, we're talking like stacks of televisions. Like it's probably ten televisions stacked up, and then like. 10 columns so it's like a hundred televisions that start to like Dude, fall on him no knowing how much they love like explaining like having exposition through through televisions i'm like yeah i'm like they, they i'm like you could have told so much parts of stories <laughs> with that many tvs we, we could have got like a hundred issues right here yeah uh just right there Robin actually manages to save Scarecrow, pushing him out of the way of the falling televisions. He gets partially crushed. He's at Scarecrow's mercy. Scarecrow starts to run away. And Robin is like, pleads with not Scarecrow, but Professor Crane. And he's like, you know, if you're a teacher, if this means something to you, education, 
then like, why are you making people dumb? Like you could teach them, like guide us out of this. Stop this. Yeah. And uh, Scarecrow decides he's he's thinking about it and he decides that he's right. And he, he gives Robin the, I guess, the remote to turn everything off. And then he's and then Robin's like, great. Now, if you just turn yourself in, the judge will be lenient on you. And, and Scarecrow's like, yeah, nuts to that. And he tries to leave. He bumps right into Batman and then cut to uh, Crane just sitting in prison, reading the paper. Um, and then at this point, it's gone so wrong for him that he has ditched the professor part of him and he's like the name scarecrow yeah that's what i I, i've honestly found that like again other (laughs) that the that and the uh the old woman almost dying was such a sharp turn because i was like yeah dude whoa that's dark yeah that's dark that's like oh hey i've i've given up on trying to be good (laughs) yeah like i'm now fully committed (laughs) to this evil persona of the scarecrow yeah 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 i loved this issue all right i can see i mean i can see why i i, I just i want to make it i just want to make it clear i was only lukewarm okay, okay. on this on, on these issues here. I, you, I do not do you like wanna, okay i got a i got a fan theory all right we we speculated with all this gang stuff in the previous pod we we're like it's gangs up and down the line and i noticed that what i didn't connect at the time was you were saying Oh, yeah. Well, it's 1992. It's like there's just a panic about gangs all the time. You know, Death Wish was out and like uh, Giuliani's brutal racist, like stop and frisk bullshit was was like happening. And I got that a little bit wrong. Death Wish was 79. So those movies were probably coming out through the 80s. And then Giuliani didn't start until 94. So he hasn't actually become mayor yet. No, but. What was happening at this time was in August of 92, right as Batman Adventures was coming out, was the Rodney King beating and the L.A. riots. And I think what's happening in this issue is this is a direct reaction to that. Let me make my case. All right. All right. Scarecrow doesn't use any fear toxin at all through this whole thing. It, nothing is fear based. It's all education. Like that is his whole hook through this whole thing. And when I got upset at the end of the last issue where Batman was like probably these illiterate gang members that he hired, you know, like he's, he's just like dunking on these gang members for like no reason. And I think that the writer saw what was going on in the 90s that led up to the LA riots. This is the way it clicked for me was I saw some 90s news footage of, you know, gang activity in the 90s or whatever. It was like a compilation. And there was basically two sides of what was going on at the time. And one side was we got to crack down on all these people. Like we got to send the police out there to bust some skulls. They're they're like basically treating them as subhuman. And then on the other side were the people who were actually living in these communities who were saying, if these people had a decent school to go to, if these people had a decent job and economic opportunity, we wouldn't have these gangs. And I think that Martin Pascoe is basically reacting to 
this argument. I think that these two issues are this argument of like Batman knocking around gang members being essentially the police or like Scarecrow being like maybe like education is the key. Just a fan theory. I don't know if it's true. I I, I don't know if I'm like way in the weeds with it, but like this is kind of how it felt to me reading it. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. Like, especially because like, you know, it, it was, it was, it was such a fear, uh, in the nineties, like gang, like activity, Yeah, you know? Uh, and I, I think that's like a common like sentiment, you know, of like a well-meaning person to just be like, oh, well, like, of course, like education is important. It's like, well, yeah, of course, education is important. Like, you know, sure. very, very few people will say that education is not important, you know, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of tend to agree. It was it was sort of um, it was sort of clunky, I think, the way yes. it was told initially, but also like you're, you're sort of hamstrung by the kind of book you're supposed to have. Yeah. But yeah, as much as as much as like a message or like an expression of like what someone was seeing at the time, like, right, I think I think you're pretty you're pretty spot on there. And like and, and there was that big like open lesson of like you know, of, you know, Batman intimidating the guy of like, hey, people are dying because of this. Like, right. People are dying because they can't read. I th- And I think that is also Here's why it's important to know how to read. Right. I think that is also like an expression of frustration of like everyone at the time being like, you know, this violence isn't actually helping anything like we need to we need to fix these problems and stop killing each other, you know, which is ultimately, yeah. I think, what most people wanted. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that it's if this is truly what Martin Pasco uh, was trying to script. I think that it is a little clunky because, you know, Scarecrow is not known for like taking away people's literacy and, you know, people's yeah. literacy is basically a like very specific thing when you're really just talking about education in general it's it's like yeah it's it's almost like he wanted scarecrow to make a toxin that would make people dumb but that's not his gimmick you know so it's like but he wanted he wanted to use the scarecrow because there's a there's an element of fear in here so it's like it's kind of all these ideas that just don't quite click together enough yeah but like i mean i i will admit honestly like i i didn't even um I didn't even pick up right away that really until like you kind of mentioned it of, oh, well, he's not using a fear toxin. Right. Because I was like, I was like, yeah, OK, toxins, scarecrow uses toxins that affect the brain. So like, sure, whatever. And I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't. Click and that's the that, thing like, in, the, oh, in the animated no. series. Like yeah. he's very regiment, like like very structured, always, always a gas of some kind that is going to like poison people in order to make them afraid. It's very, very structured. And in this, it's there's none of that. Yeah. So like that piece, that education piece has to be important to Martin Pascoe for this story. You know, let me let me ask you this question, because we're we're we were we're of prime age for mm-hmm. having watched a lot of these. But like, do, do you think this has a little bit of like after school special? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Kind of. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. I, I can't I can't agree enough. I I think that he, again is that, that's such a 90s that's such a 90s thing. Yeah, I think that as a kid like 
the goal of this is to come away and be like, oh, well, I don't want Batman to come out of a cloud of smoke and punch me in the face. Like, I should go to school, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. I don't, I, don't, I don't want my grandmother to die. I should go like, to school. I, I like her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should, I should learn. I should, I should make sure everyone knows how to read. Yeah, yeah. So that's why, that's why I kind of like came all the way around on this issue. Why I was like, oh, there, I think there's more going on here than we realize. And again, I could be totally reading into this, like really reading into this. I, I don't know. I could be going deep when there's nothing here, but I, this is just the sense I got from it. I mean that I don't I don't think it's a I don't think that that's too much of a take. Yeah. I mean I, I mean I I don't think that that take is like too far afield, you know, because sure. I think I think there, there there can be a lot to it to like you know that like the the, the writer probably just thought like j- just a bit of inspiration like he was probably like just like oh what should the plot be like what should this be and like oh here's this stuff I'm reading about in the paper and like yeah okay fine. Uh, and you know oh but this is a you know this is more geared towards kids so i'm gonna have to dial some things down a bit and yeah 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 so i don't i don't think you're far off do you want to hit the letters column and we'll skip the two read pile yeah yeah yeah. let's hit them up let's hit them up all right so scott teases some heroes that we'll see in the upcoming issues in the letters column he he says there's no plans for the creeper but very loose plans for Zatanna in the future. He mentions uh, colorist Rick Taylor is Batgirl's number one fan, and that is pretty much a lock for for something that happens. And we know that she's definitely going to be in by issue 12. Um, The only reason that issue is burned into my brain is because it is one of the only ones I'm missing because it is the first appearance of Harley Quinn, and it is stupid expensive. Oh, God. Did any uh, any letters jump out for you? Uh, I didn't I, I didn't write them this week. All right, all right. I got a couple more then. I got a couple more then. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jerry Wilson. I don't I don't know why I had to whisper that. <laughs> Jerry Wilson leaves a letter that is an absolute roller coaster. He writes that the book is a real tribute to Bob Kane, not a friend of the pod. Uh. And he rattles off a bunch of other writers and artists from the 40s and 50s, uh, Dick Sprang, Jerry Robinson. And I'm like reading this thing and he's like getting to the end of his idea. And I'm like, he's not going to mention Bill Finger. He's just going to just out in the cold. It is the 90s. It's fine. It's fine. It's the 90s. He doesn't know. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, yeah. And also Bill Finger. Uh, real, real uh, nice tribute to Bill Finger's contribution on Batman. And I was like. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. So really sent me on a ride. He He got there eventually, but he sent me on a ride. Uh, They had had you in the first half. Yeah, exactly. They had you in the first half. Uh, Jacob Gilbert floats uh, Steve Rude as being a Batman the Animated Series or a Batman Adventures artist as a pick. And I was just like, oh, I want that book. That would be amazing. Oh, I love Steve Rude's art, but I will say, and, and I can understand why, because his art is goddamn gorgeous. Yeah. He would get done maybe two issues every five years. Oh, man. But I'd, I'd take him. <laughs> you know? I'd take him, Jason. Oh, I would, too. Happily. I would, too. Happily. I would, uh, oh, completely. Scott doesn't, Scott doesn't go for it. He doesn't, he doesn't mention it uh, uh, one way or the other, but uh, 
Again, in, in Jacob Gilbert's letter, Batgirl is brought up. Scott then blames Rick, the colorist on this, for being Batgirl number one fan. And he's as some sort of Batgirl conspiracy happening. And uh, he wonders if the demand here is being cooked up. And I'm wondering if he's they're publishing these letters because they are expecting Batgirl like sooner than issue 12, maybe. I wonder if they like have it in the pipeline already and they're trying to hype it up. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe or maybe just a Barbara Gordon appear. There might just be a Barbara Gordon like appearance. That's like a wink, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Depending. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to point it out when it happens because now I'm anticipating it. I want I want I want Zatanna. Yeah, uh, or I know. Zatanna. 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 Well, Potato. I, I, I just love Zatato. Zatato. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> Uh, I just love I love that old costume, that old costume with like like the like the fishnets, you know, yeah, like yeah. it's just so like uh, like that like 50s great. pinup girl style costume yeah. is amazing. amazing. Backwards magic. So good. Can't get enough. Oh, you got to You got to also keep in mind at this time, Batman, the animated series was like the only thing on. We didn't have Justice League yet. We didn't have Teen Titans like there wasn't there wasn't a lot of Zatanna stuff around in general. So, so like, yeah, going to bat for, and I don't even know, she probably didn't have her own book. Like, I don't know how often she was in the comics, but like, we haven't read any of it at all lately. So like, it seems like looking back now, like, I'm like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Put her in the book. Like there's a, there's some great Batman, uh, content with her in, in justice league, but like for, you know, them talking about it so early, so, so early about like folding her in. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Next issue is teased a little bit with a mugshot of Bruce Wayne. He's wanted for murder. He's killed a dude. <laughs> it was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. Don't trust the rich. Yeah, Don't trust exactly. The rich kids. Exactly. I'm sure he I'm sure he's got a good lawyer. Is Alfred the lawyer? Oh, yeah. Taking bets on the lawyer right now. Probably. (laughs) Probably. Probably. Alfred was probably like a a, a secret lawyer for English warriors or something. I don't I don't don't know. Dick Grayson is the lawyer. lawyer. He's a good 16 year old Dick Grayson approaching the bench. This is a Harvey Birdman episode in the works. Yeah, no, his his lawyer. His lawyer is going to be Daredevil, a man who has like better than 2020 vision <laughs> Just. Uh, well we're gonna we're gonna see how bruce wayne gets out of this quirky situation where a, a dude yeah. freaking died next issue in a children's <laughs> book yeah shield children from the idea of death yes yes join us for that one i guess <laughs> Uh, so Jason, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they where can they find you? Uh, they they can send me uh, jokes that I don't get and uh, angry messages at King of Black Acid on Twitter. Excellent, excellent. Uh, they can also get in touch with both of us on. Uh, oh God, what is the do? I don't even know about our own podcast handle. What is our podcast handle? Almost certain it's at World's Second Finest with uh, second being spelled with uh, two, so two and then 
ND, right? Isn't, isn't you did the, it. You did it. Worlds oh, okay. to ND finest uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, they can reach us there. Or I'm at Nick Phil on Twitter. You can reach me there as well. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. Screw everyone else. Read, ba- read your Batman. Read, read your Batman. Read your Batman. And I'm like, give me the trash. Give me the trash.